Well, good morning, and uh, thank you for uh, being here today um, as they fill in for Pastor. Uh, we uh, continue to keep them in prayer uh, for safety as they're traveling to see uh, the newest grandchild, um, which is a great opportunity for them. I'm glad they get to do that, and it's a great opportunity for me to fill in. So thank you for the opportunity. I wanted to make a mention, the last song we sang was uh, written by Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote a lot of hymns. Uh, I think, if I remember properly, it's like 8,000 different songs or something like that. She lived to be a, a very old woman, and um, and she wrote thousands of hymns and songs about God and His Word. Um, and there were occasions where she would... Um, she would sing a song in church and, uh, and she'd lean to the person next to her and say, who wrote that? You did. Was the answer. Um. <laughs> God's word is often maligned, as we know, in our society, in our world, um, made fun of, or rejected as um, being inaccurate, um, unreliable, untruthful. But I wanted to share a, a couple of things with you today um, that they've discovered from ancient Chinese. Um, four different words that they've found in ancient Chinese um, that seem to indicate the Genesis account. Um, and this is taken from a book called uh, God's Promises to the Chinese. Uh, first is an ancient Chinese word for boat. It has the Chinese character for vessel, the Chinese character for eight, and the Chinese character for people. Very interesting. Um, China, ancient Chinese word for covet and desire. The character for two trees and the character for women, plural. Uh, ancient Chinese care, uh, word for to create is four different characters. It's got the character for speak, the character for dust, mud, the character for life, and the character for walk. And then another word for forbidden or worn. Ancient Chinese, two characters, two trees, and then an abbreviation for God. Very interesting. Um, cultures come and go off the world scene, on the world scene. Nations come and go. But one thing does not change, and that's God and his word. What God promises, he will do. The promises he makes to his spiritual children, he will accomplish either in their lifetime or in their future resurrection lifetime. He keeps his promises. He knows all the promises that he makes makes to us and he will keep every one of them. And he is the only one who has the ability to keep every promise he has ever made. Book of Psalms has three consecutive anonymously written Psalms that begin with praise the Lord. Psalm 111, 12 and 13. And the one we're going to look, for, look through today is Psalm 112. And we're going to see, uh, this is the outline I came up with for Psalm 112. It's, it is, Psalm 112 goes through a lot. It covers a lot of information. So we're going to do the best we can going through everything. Um, 
Verse 1, you will see that you are blessed. Verse 2, you'll see that you have a future, a special future. Verse 3, you have a special wealth. Verse 4, light will arise in the darkness for you. Verse 5, wellness, you will have wellness in managing your godly living. Verses 6 through 8, you'll have a consistent faith and be remembered. And then verses 9 through 10, God chose to add to this psalm what most offends the wicked person when they look at somebody who fears the Lord and honors his word. Verse, verse or Psalm 112, and we'll read the whole thing first. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will be, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire on his enemies. He is dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. As we're going through Psalm 112, see if you can figure out the one phrase in this psalm that made this the psalm I wanted to to go through with you today. Um, there's one phrase in this psalm that I thought is very applicable to where we're living right now. The phrase praise the Lord is an imperative. Literally, you must praise the Lord. It's also in Psalm 22, 26. Those who seek the Lord will praise the Lord. Psalm 111, 1, the psalm before. The first of these three psalms, begins by linking praising the Lord with thanking the Lord. How do you, how is it that you think uh, praise the Lord out of a thankful heart? If you don't have a thankful heart, talk to God. He can help you have a thankful heart because he does love you. He does care for you. He does strengthen you. He does sustain you and he does bless you. In Psalm 119, 60, 164, and 71, there's a link between being taught God's word and praising the Lord. When we're taught God's word, that should result in praising the Lord. And what does it mean to praise the Lord? It's to acknowledge him thankfully for who he is and what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do for his glory and ultimately for your good. He promises whatever it is will be for your good. And this can be done obviously through prayer, singing, 
talking to others of like faith, um, living in a way that honors Him, serving Him. You must praise the Lord. Blessed. What does that mean? Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed means happy. Blessed by God. Psalm 1.1, 1, 1, same, same word. How blessed is the man who does not fill, fill in the blank. Walk in the counsel. What's the next word? Of the wicked. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. What is a wicked person? Somebody not trusting in Christ. And how, how many implications does that have for the way we live? If you think about where we get our information. Psalm 40 verse 4. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to, instead of trusting the Lord, has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Psalm 94 12. Blessed is the man whom you, Psalm 94 12. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord. What's chasten? Discipline. And we know, we know from, uh, uh, from Hebrews that God chastens his children. He disciplines his children. And you think, oh, that's a terrible thing. Well, according to Hebrews, what it means is if God disciplines me, he disciplines you, that means we have a relationship. That's big. How blessed, verse, uh, Psalm 128, 1. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Blessed means God will cause good to come to that person. Blessed is a man who is fearing the Lord. Proverb, the same word for fearing the Lord. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Fill in the blank. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Shall be future. Does that mean she gets praised by her husband? Maybe, maybe not. But God will keep his word. That godly woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Ultimately by God if not here on earth. Isaiah 50, 10. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. We live in dark times. We live in dark times. And so it's our opportunity to trust the Lord, rely on him, rely on him for strength, Rely on him for hope. Rely on him for clear understanding what we need to do one day to the next. Job is called fearing the Lord three times at the beginning of, of the book of Job. That's not a surprise. And what did God allow in his life? Keep that in mind. God allowed it. I mean, I don't know if anybody in this room has, has gone through anything like what Job went through. And and we don't have indication in Job that God ever explained himself to even Job. We don't even have that indication. God doesn't have to explain itself. But in the end, God did bless Job immensely. 
Psalm 130, verse 4, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. God's a forgiving God, and that should draw us to fear him. How do you fear the Lord? One commentator states this is a reverential awe and admiring, submissive fear, which is foundational for all spiritual knowledge and wisdom. Note the pro- the procession, teaching about God's uh, getting teaching about God, learning about God, fearing God, knowing God, imitating God's wisdom. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who is delighting greatly. Psalm 119, one, uh, 35 says, Make me to walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Um, how do you delight in something? How do you... Do, Delighting in something is something you choose. So how do you develop your love, your delight in something? Spend more and more time with it. Spend more time in God's word. That will develop your appetite for God's word. That will develop your love for God's word because God's word is so deep. The more time you spend in it, the more the more you will see how applicable it is to your life and the lives of the people around you. Even the unbeliever is fulfilling God's word. They don't like that they are, but they are. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God. Why? Your law is within my heart. I memorized your word. And that helps me delight to do your will. Who is delighting greatly in his commandments. The word greatly is with force, abundance in his commandments. The Hebrew word for commandments, mitzvah. Anybody heard of that before? Mitzvah. Bar mitzvah, bath mitzvah. Okay, and that's still done today by Hebrew people. Um, when a when a child is becoming an adult, uh, they have a bar mitzvah, bath mitzvah, and um, and that involves a lot of scriptural memorization. By the way, a lot of Old Testament scriptural memorization. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 8, the commandment of the Lord, same word commandment, is pure, enlightening the eyes, gives us understanding. It, you know, sometimes sometimes we, we think, uh, boy, I wish I could think like God. Well, he gave you an opportunity to, to a degree, by reading his word, memorizing his word. Psalm 66, 23 the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light. And in Psalm 623, what's the purpose? To keep us from immorality. That's the purpose. Psalm 623 or Proverbs 623. Proverbs 10.8. The wise of heart will receive commands. Commands. What's the opposite? The babbling fool will be ruined. Book of Ecclesiastes, draw near to God to hear rather than to speak. How do you learn? You listen. And then you apply to your life. How do you build your delight in God's commandments? Psalm 119.11 should be known by everybody. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? that I might not sin against thee. So the more scriptural memory we do, 
It keeps us from sin, keeps us from disobeying God. But more scriptural memory. Uh, one of the things that I have found very helpful for me um, is listen to scripture in your car. We all spend a lot of, well, most of us spend a lot of time in our cars. And so you just listen to scripture. And and uh, and my wife can attest to this. I listen right now. I'm listening to the same book over and over again for years. Um, and uh, God's word is that deep. God's word is that deep. You can learn new things. You can you can observe new things about the way God thinks and what values God has by listening to His word over and over again. And you're a captive witness in that core. Um, so. So spend your time well in that car. Captive listener. Um, verse two, your future. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. His descendants. So here's God's promise to you. Your descendants will be mighty on the earth. Psalm 37, uh, 25 and 26. I have, um, this is David. I have been young and now I'm old Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends and his descendants are a blessing. Same word. Um, so now when you read these verses, you think, okay, well, maybe I don't have any descendants. There's somebody in here that might not have any actual descendants. So how is God going to keep that promise to me? Well, he will. And it could be, People that you uh, affect spiritually in now, today, or in the future. Uh, but you will have descendants. And they will be great. They will be mighty in the land. The word mighty is a very famous Hebrew word, gibor. And a gibor is a warrior. Gibor, First Samuel seventeen fifty one, Goliath. Gibor, Gideon, Judges 6.12. Jephthah, Judges 11.1. Jeroboam, 1 Kings 11.28. Naaman, 2 Kings 5.1. Those are Gibors. He or they will be mighty in the land. Um, literally, Baharetz, Haaretz, the land. Um, if you're reading this, when God first gave it from the anonymous writer of scripture here, um, you understand the land of Israel when you read Haaretz. The generation of the upright. First two chapters of Job. Job is called upright. Psalm 111.1. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and the assembly. Proverbs 15, 8, the, pro, the prayer of the upright is the Lord's delight. The Lord actually loves the prayer of the upright. He delights in your prayer when you're turning from your sin, when you're relying on him, trusting in him, and coming to him in prayer. And notice there's not a limit on the prayer. It could be about anything. But he delights in your prayer. You, his obedient child, he delights in your prayer. Again, upright here is a choice. 
And, it, and as we rely on the Lord for strength, he can help us walk in uprightness. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Job was blessed. Job 1.10. Return to blessing. Job 1.21. And even after everything was taken from him, and he was, he was blessed again at the end. 42.12. God will give you wealth. He promises wealth. Wealth, verse 3. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. The Hebrew here literally says wealth and riches in his house and his righteousness endures forever. All three things endure forever. Okay. Wealth, riches, and, um, and righteousness endure forever. Okay. That's your future. That's your future as his spiritual child. Wealth, riches, and uh, righteousness eternally. We're talking about the resurrection body here and God's promise to you. Wealth comes from the root meaning to be easy. Proverbs twelve twenty seven, the precious possession of a man. <laughs> precious possess. I really like this verse. The precious possession of a man is diligence. Strange word to put there. You could put a lot of things in the, as the next word. God says, the precious possession of a man, valuable commodity that somebody holds, is to be diligent, to actually do their work. It's an honor to be able to work. It's a blessing to be able to work. And you may think, oh, I can't do much. Do you think God knows what you can do? And do you think he accepts your service to him, whatever it is you can do. Of course he does. Wealth and riches in his house. The word, the word riches comes from to be rich. And it's the same word in 1 Kings 10.23. God states, King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Proverbs 11.16, same, same word. A gracious woman attains Honor, oh, does anybody know the rest? Everybody remembers the first part of, of, of Proverbs eleven sixteen. Gracious woman attains honor. What's the next part? And ruthless men attain riches. And I think that's a huge verse to keep in mind if you're a woman and you're thinking about getting married just because some guy is rich. That's Proverbs eleven sixteen. And his righteousness endures forever. Exactly same phrase in Hebrew. His righteousness endures forever is in Psalm 111.3. On the other, other page, Psalm 111.3. And who's it talking about? The Lord himself. It's talking about the Lord. So again, future. Your righteousness like his. Why? Because your righteousness came from him. Verse four, light arising in the darkness. God promises you, his child, light arising in the darkness. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. For the upright arises or comes forth light. 
Psalm 27, 1, the same word. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? So the Lord provides me source of spiritual light. All the world, all the world that doesn't rely on God, they are left to all their surroundings to pull everything from. They, they have no hope for a reliable truth, a clear way to see forward. They have no hope. But for those of us who know that God's word is the source of spiritual light and understanding in this world, we have hope. We have a clear understanding what to do next, what's going forward. And if you don't, go to him, go to his word. Light, Psalm, that was Psalm one or 27, one. God's word is a lantern unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. In the darkness. Why would you need light if you were living in darkness? And we live in spiritual darkness in this country. And we just read about our brothers and, and, and sisters in India. Um, I mean, we have it so much better than they. We have it so much better than they, even in Colorado. We have it so much better than they. Um, by the way, I have found that it helps if you're feeling down about yourself and your circumstances to not give the attention to yourself and your circumstances and and reach out to the Lord for somebody else who's got it worse. And there are many people like that in this world that have it much worse than we did. Gets my thinking to be closer to what God wants me to think, which is about others. In the darkness, Micah 7, 8 says, Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. Micah 7, 8. He is gracious and merciful. Same Hebrew phrase, gracious and merciful in Psalm 111.4 again. Again, talking about the Lord. Again, we're talking about God's righteousness, God's graciousness, God's mercy, God's compassion. That word mercy can mean compassion. God is gracious. God is compassionate. And he wants you as a spiritual child to be a reflection of that. Gracious and compassionate to the world around you. Is it because the world deserves it? No. God doesn't do that because the world deserves it. It's because who, of who he is. And he wants us to be a reflection of him to the world. As a witness. Um, righteous. Psalm 1, or Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. What's the rest? But the Lord... Delivers him from them all. The Lord helps you through it. And in the longer you walk with the Lord, the more stories you can tell of exactly that. Verse five, wellness in managing godly living. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. A good man, uh, it's better translated, it is well with the man, but it's the same basic Hebrew words. It is pleasant, agreeable, good uh, with the man. Ecclesiastes 8, 12 and 13. It will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly, 
Don't hide their fear from uh, of him. But it will not be well for the evil man. You want genuine peace in your life, genuine pleasantness, agreeable circumstances in your heart, inside you. Not because things are perfect, but because of your response to things. Then you obey the Lord. But those who fight him are the opposite. They don't have that agreeableness. They don't have that peace. Who deals generously to show favor, be gracious. In Psalm 37, 21 and 26, the righteous is gracious and gives. All day long he is gracious and lends. And, and what's our human nature? Our human nature is to think, well, we need to have this for this. And we need to save more and more and more. But, but one of God's characteristics is to care about others, to help others with no strings attached. That's one of God's characteristics that he wants in his children. Who deals generously and lends, borrow lend. Proverbs 27, uh, 22, 7. The borrower is the lenders, fill in the blank. What's next? Anybody know that? Proverbs 22, 7. The borrower is the lender's slave. So be careful about that. Proverbs nineteen seventeen, One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed. The righteous man conducts his affairs, his speech, his words with justice. Justice, judgment, um, according to God's ordinance. And then, in verses 6 through 8, consistent faith and remembrance. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire on his enemies. Surely, literally for forever, he will not be moved. He will not totter, shake, slip. Psalm 66, 9 who keeps us, the Lord keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip. So you may think, oh, God, God hasn't been protecting me recently. Well, guess what? I got some news for you. You don't know every threat that you have ever come close to in your life at any given moment in your life. You don't. But God protects you. And for that, he should be praised. Another, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more stories you can tell about that. He, sure, um, he will not be moved. The righteous will be for forever in remembrance. God says you will always be remembered. Well, guess who's the most important person that you're going to be remembered by? God, that's the key thing, the key relationship. He will not be afraid. This is something we often fall into of evil tidings. This is the reason why I wanted to go through this psalm. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. Um, that's We often, I don't know about you guys, but I, I fall into this fear of, well, what if this is going to happen? What if that's going to happen? What's going to come next? Well, that's fear of evil tidings. That's fear of what could happen. 
But God has all things in his hands. He will provide for his children. He always has. He always will. And as we demonstrate faith in these uncertain and difficult times, he he will use that as a witness to the people around us. You may think, oh, nobody watches my witness. You may be very surprised who watches you. Your neighbors, if nobody else. And they watch you closely, I'm sure. That person says they're Christian. What does that mean? He will not be afraid of evil tidings or a bad report. Um, Has been translated in in the Old Testament, a bad message, uh, bad news, a bad rumor. First uh, Samuel two twenty four, Samuel, with the with the sons that he had done a terrible job. He and his wife had done a terrible job raising. The report is not good, which I hear. Jeremiah ten twenty two, the sound of a report. Behold, it comes. Jeremiah ten twenty two, and that's talking about judgment. Judgment's coming. One commentator states, most people are afraid of an evil report. Me too. The servant of God walks by faith and not by sight. Daniel knew the decree was signed. Daniel 6.10. You remember Daniel? Don't pray to any other God. He knew the decree was signed. And he still obeyed God. He knew about bad news. Real bad news. Paul's letters in his imprisonment. Paul's prison epistles. Why are they called that? He wrote them from prison. Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. What were they doing after they got beat and put in the socks? They were praising God, singing songs to God. Another commentator states, a clear conscience and a heart that trusts not in itself, but in God, and is thus raised above all fear. Confident, The commentator goes on to say, this is confidence in God's goodness towards you. Is God good to you? He says he is. And our responsibility is to trust him. As we walk by faith, we'll see that he is in many ways good to us. His word says he is. Genesis 50 verse 20. Um, so this is this is the Romans eight twenty eight of the Old Testament, in my opinion. Genesis fifty verse twenty, Joseph talking to his brothers after all of this. At the end, as for you, my brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Genesis 50, 20 is huge. Joseph realized that God could take the worst evil one person can do to another and turn it into something good for those people and other people. That's what he did in that situation. God's that powerful. Don't think God's limited to what you understand or what you think is the way it should be. He works outside of that. Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
Romans 8.28 is a promise to you, his child. It's not a promise to an unbeliever. It's huge. Your relationship with God allows you to access promises from him that only he can keep. His heart. This is the inner man. This is the mind. This is the will of a person is firm, trusting in the Lord. What if you're struggling with trusting him? Go back to his word. Humble yourself before his plan. Go back to his word, be in his word. Change your thinking little by little to be his thinking. That will help you in trusting him. Psalm 910, and those who know your name will be put will put their trust in you. Those who know your reputation will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 910. Psalm 119, 42. For I trust in thy word. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart. Oh, Proverbs 28, 26. And this is what I struggle with. And I'm sure I'm not alone. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. That's the word. So there are times when we've got to go to God's word and say, God, I trust you. You say this is what's going on and this is the way I need to think about it. And I trust you. I don't understand all the ramifications, but I trust what you're saying. Spiritual child. His heart is steady. Commentator says a striking description of the true attitude of faith is that which leans upon and is supported by God in his word. He will not be afraid until he looks on his adversaries. Numbers 21, eight um, uses the word looks. And I, I think this is huge. Numbers 21, eight, because when you compare it to John three sixteen. But Numbers 21.8, the person who looked at the, the serpent on the, on the pole would be healed from their poisonous serpent bite. But guess what? They had to look. They had to trust. Uh, Psalm 54.7. But he has delivered me from all trouble and my eye has looked with satisfaction. With satisfaction is implied. My eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. David, Psalm 59.10. God will let me look triumphantly, again implied, upon my enemies. David, Psalm 118.7. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction implied on those who hate me. Unknown author, Psalm 118, verse 7. On his adversaries, the word for adversaries here, and this is interesting. I, I thought, I mean, sometimes when we come to know the Lord and we're young in the Lord, we think, oh, everything's going to be great. Uh, we won't have any enemies because God doesn't want us to have any enemies. Well, guess what? God does allow you enemies. 
Um, and he also allows you the opportunity to respond to those enemies the way he wants you to, as a witness instead of as another enemy. Um, the word here for adversary is used in Joshua 5.13. Joshua is a great example of courage. Joshua is walking around outside Jericho. He sees a man outfitted as a soldier with his sword drawn. So what does he ask him? Are you for us or for our adversaries? Who was he talking to? God. He's talking to God. And how do we know that? At the end of what the man said to him, remove your sandals for where you are standing is holy ground. But the thing that's amazing to me is Joshua had the courage to go ask that question. Esther 7, 6. Here's another, here's more courage. Esther said, a foe and an adversary is this wicked Haman. Same word, same word. Verses 9 and 10. What God decided to put at the end of this psalm, what offends the wicked the, mo or the most about his child, his spiritual child. God decided to put this at the end of this psalm. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. He is scattered, literally indiscriminately scattered. Proverbs eleven twenty four uses the same word. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there's one who withholds, withholds what is ju justly due, and it results in want. The commentator states, the free and active exercise of charity. This verse is quoted by, by Paul in, um, in Corinthians when he was asking for contributions on behalf of the Christians in Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 9.9. 9. He has given to the poor those who are needy, those who are in want. Deuteronomy 15.11. God's God chose to not paint a completely rosy picture in his word. He chose to give reality. And he said in, in um, Deuteronomy 15.11, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. What land is he talking about? The land of Israel, the promised land. The poor is always going to be there. So how you respond is going to be important. You shall freely open your hand. That's what he says. Deuteronomy 15, 11. Psalm 4, 140, 12. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. God cares about justice for the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Again, this is the same thing. Talking about God's righteousness in me. God's righteousness in you, the future, our future. His horn will be, Psalm 75.10, all the horns, Psalm 75.10 uses the same word, all the horns of the wicked he will cut off. Who's he? God. 
but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up, exalted. A commentator states, horns on an animal were an ancient indication of strength and prosperity. And this is applied to the righteous. His horn will be exalted in honor. Proverbs eleven sixteen, same word. A gracious woman attains honor. I know I've said this first before. What's the rest of the verse? And violent men attain. What's the rest? Riches. Keep that in mind before you go marrying somebody just for their money. 15, I know I said it before. 1533, 1812, before honor comes humility. God wants us to be examples of humility. And humility before his word is the most important. When he says something, we trust him. Now, does that mean we we don't we uh, we understand it all? No, you know when a when a child puts their hand in the their uh, um, their parent's hand, they're saying, you know, I, I trust you. I, I don't understand all of it, but I trust you. This is the way it is, and we need to be that way with our Father, our Heavenly Father. Ecclesiastes ten one. A little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. And then Proverbs 25, 2 and 25, 27. It's not good to eat much honey. God says it twice. Nor is it glory to search out one's own glory, honor. Commentator states the desire of every human for prosperity can only come through obedience to God's commands. We all desire to be prosperous. God wants us to obey him and then trust him. But he makes promises to us that he will keep in this life or in our resurrection body in the future. He will keep every one of those promises. Then verse 10, so different than the first nine verses. The wicked man, Psalm 1-1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. But And then Psalm 1-6, but the way of the wicked will perish. And then Psalm 34-21, evil shall slay the wicked. The very thing that the wicked wants in life, wants to accomplish in life, will cause their death. The wicked, oh, Proverbs 21-8, think of the ramifications. The wicked flee when who's pursuing? No one is pursuing. Proverbs 21.8. But the righteous are different. They're bold as a lion. The wicked has so much fear in their lives, whether they put on a good show or not. They have so much fear in their life. They are fleeing one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And there's no actual threat to them. And the righteous are the opposite. They're bold as a lion. God can help us be bold as a lion. And lions, of course, don't run away from anything. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you a quick story. A friend of mine was in the L.A. Zoo one time. And uh, he was watching them feed the lions. And uh, he and his family were down there. There's an area you can go down. And there's there's like this thick a glass between you and the lions. And uh, for whatever reason, a lion decided to charge the glass right at him. 
He said, I've never been so scared in my life. Psalm 73, 3 and 17 through 18. For I was envious of the arrogant and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Things seemed to be going so great for the wicked until I came into the sanctuary of God. When I perceived their, then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. So what does the wicked have to look forward to? God as their enemy. Wouldn't want to be there. The wicked sees it. He looks. Contrast is clear. The wicked observes the exact opposite of what he wants in the world taking place in the life of the righteous. The wicked sees it and is grieved. And that word for grieved literally means angry, vexed, angry. The wicked person does not like, in fact, hates what God does and will do with God's spiritual child in this world and in the future. The wicked gnashes to gnash or grind his teeth. Acts 7.54, the Sanhedrin's response to Stephen. You remember this? Sanhedrin's response to Stephen, telling them that they have not kept God's word. They were gnashing their teeth. That's the most offensive thing to hear. You can be so close to God's word and yet so far from God's provision of salvation. Matthew 8.12, one of six references in Matthew, all from Jesus, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, the future of the wicked. An earthly reaction that will become an eternal reaction for the wicked. They do that in this life, gnash, and that'll be their future for eternity. And melts away to dissolve, melt. Exodus 16, 21. The manna would melt when the sun grew hot. In Psalm 68, 2. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. Melts away. The desire of wicked men. Literally, the desire of wicked men. Psalm 10, 3. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire and comes to naught. Literally, perishes literally can be translated is destroyed psalm 1 6 but the way of the wicked will perish psalm 37 20 but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the lord like the splendor of the meadows shall vanish into smoke they shall vanish away and then here's the same word perish esther 4 14 and 16 what did esther say same word if i perish I perish. She didn't know what the future would bring, but she knew what she had to do. She knew the next step. That's courage. Port Royal, Port Royal Jamaica was known as the wickedest city on the earth, and it, it's made famous by movies that we've had in our culture recently. Wasn't always an extremely evil city, uh, from 1494 to 1695, the city was a small Spanish port. The English took control of the port in 1655. And then they didn't like the idea of being surrounded by the Spanish Armada. 
So they came up with this, uh, this uh, greater idea. We're going to invite pirates and uh, uh, privateers in to protect the fort. So with the endorsement of the King of England, pirates were destroying the Spanish fleet and stealing from the Spanish fleet. But the port attracted more and more people who lived by piracy and became a haven for pirates. Uh, some of the more infamous pirates would have been Captain Morgan and Blackbeard. Um, Morgan became the lieutenant governor of the city at one point. But on Sunday morning, June 7th, 1692, at about 11.43 a.m., and it's amazing, um, they, they found a watch made in the 1600s down at the bottom of the sea, and it had stopped at 11.43 a.m., so it's like they, they're deducing that's about when this happened. Um, a 7.5 earthquake struck the city with many of the houses. Many of the houses for Port Royal, Royal had been built on the fill-in-the-blank. What do you think? Sand. Where do you get that? You read the Bible, you figure out that's not a good idea. Um, many of the houses have been built on the sand. The houses, the roads, everything else was sucked into the ocean. And then a massive tidal wave ran across the city. 33 acres of the city disappeared in a few hours. 2,000 people died. And then within weeks, because of the amount of dead people, was disease. Another 3,000 died. The desire of wicked men perishes. Sometimes God does that in this lifetime, and you can see that. There are many stories of that. But sometimes it's future. And that's something we got to trust him with, how he keeps his promises to us. But he will keep them all. And praise the Lord, he will. And that's a. those are many good reasons to look forward to Praising the Lord together. Why? Because he gives us promises and he keeps all of them. In his time, in his way.